0: Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. End of this chapter, verse 16 to verse 26, very famous passage of Scripture. But the end of this chapter can be understood in three portions. You have the Spirit-filled life is one of conflict. That is seen in verse 16 and in verse 17. Here's what he says. The work, walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. They're, They're opposed to each other. They're in conflict. The flesh wants you to do a certain thing, which the Spirit does not. The Spirit wants you to do a certain thing, which the flesh does not. So they're opposed to each other. They're in conflict with another. So so what we said about this is the end of verse 17. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So, when we talk about the Spirit-filled life, what are we talking about? We're talking about living out the desires of the Spirit. And the desire of the Spirit in our hearts as believers is in conflict or is opposite of the desire of our flesh. So let me back up for a second. The Apostle Paul has talked about what happened when we were saved or when we were justified the moment at which we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right? So that's what we call justification. So in the moment that you believed on the Lord Jesus, that by grace, through faith, in Christ alone, that you were justified. Remember all the images? The judge looks at you and me, the judge of the universe, and he declares us, the gavel hits the desk, he declares us innocent. He declares us clean. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ took our place. So that's justification. And at that moment, you received the Holy Spirit of God. And then we also talked about how that the Lord is preserved and reserved for us in inheritance that cannot fade away. That when we believed on Jesus, we were also assured eternal life. Right? So that nothing can take you out of the hand of the Lord. You're safe in God's hand. You belong to Him. So what we understand is glorification. right? The, the minute we stop breathing in this life, and we begin breathing celestial or heavenly air, we are then glorified, right? To be like Jesus, to be with Jesus. Jesus even said, I'm going away. And if I go away, don't worry, I'll come back and I'll receive you to myself that where I am, where is Jesus? He's in heaven. That where I am, there ye may be also, right? So this is what we're all hoping for. This is what we're all waiting for. We're saying, Jesus, come and get us and take us to heaven. And so this is a wonderful promise for the believer. But in the meantime, Between where we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and where we're headed. In the meantime, we're living in this life. This is what is called sanctification. That's why Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So the Holy Spirit of God is given to you here. The Holy Spirit of God is preserving and keeping you for that moment there. And now you're living this life here. And this is what we call living in the flesh. So I have this fleshly body, these fleshly tendencies, these natural desires. But I also have the Spirit of God living in me. So that the things that I would, those I do not. The things that I would not, those I do. So there's this conflict happening in us, fighting against us. What that argues against the culture of our day, because our culture says, is equals ought. Our culture says, however you feel, is What you must do. That is how you must behave. And what the Bible just said here is that is absolutely wrong. Because just because you feel it doesn't mean you should do it. Just because you have a feeling doesn't mean you should act out that feeling. This is not the way that it should go. That you, it's quite possible that you have feelings that you should not act out, right? Well, why? Because it's in the flesh. That's the way you used to live, those are the things you used to do. That's the way you used to respond. But now you belong to Jesus. You believed in Jesus. He's preserving you for eternity, so walk in the Spirit. right? So how do we do the stuff that we should do? Well, we walk in the Spirit. And when we do, we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the Spirit-filled life, this life for us as believers, is one of conflict. This life for us as believers, we also said, is one of contrast. You can notice a very distinct difference between verse number 19, 20, and 21 and verses 22 and 23. So there is a way in which we who have believed on Jesus, our lives are marked uh, distinctly or, or precisely. And then there is a way in which those who have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a way in which they live and their life is also marked distinctly. But nothing is more distinct than than what? Than that verse Verse number 21, the very end. And they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So the Spirit-filled life is one of conflict. So what should we do? We should live to the desires of the Spirit. That's what we said. The Spirit-filled life is one of contrast. It's, look, look, they're very different. They look so different. So what should we do? We should live under the influence of the Spirit. That's why he says, but if you are led, look at verse 18, but if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Right? So what we said was that phrase, led, speaks of like the engine of a train, right? The, the, that first train car as it pulls all those other train cars. Are those cars keeping up with the engine? Or is the engine pulling them along? No, the engine is pulling them along. And in that same way, the Holy Spirit of God pulls us along into what He wants for our lives. So, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Right? So, what we said there—what did we say? We said that there's now this examined initiative. Well, why we do what we do? Well, what was the reason for it? Right? Well, the reason for it was not so that we would be saved. The reason for it was because we are saved. So we don't do good works in order to be accepted and to be loved by God. No, we do good works because we are already accepted and loved by God. So it's, it's not a meritorious good works. That's what I need you to hear me say. It's not earning our salvation. That's not what we're doing there. No, we are, we are saved. We do belong to Jesus. We were given his spirit at this moment of salvation. We're preserved for that moment there. And now work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? So what we said was our works can be truly good without being perfectly good. And that's one of the things. Well, well, you talk about good works and it's, there's no good works needed for salvation. That's true. There are no good works needed for salvation. But is there a good work that you and I should be doing? Yes. Why? Because we are saved. So while our works may not be perfect, our works can be good. How many of you remember the story I gave about my children getting candy, right? My kids run to the office after church. Two kids load up their pockets full of candy. We get in the soccer mom vehicle. We begin driving home. Two kids have candy. Two kids do not. Let me have a piece of candy, one says. No, it's mine. I got it from dad's office. Oh, you, you've got 21 pieces in your pocket. Please give me one. No, they're all mine. If you wanted some, you should have got them yourself, right? So I'm driving, oh, this is not a good formula for sanctification. So what do I say? Please share one piece of candy with your brother. <laughs> Releases a pocket, gives his brother a piece of candy. Do I, at that moment, care? If he was perfectly good in sharing that candy? No. Am I pleased that he shared a piece of candy with his brother? Yes. You say, well, he only did it because you told him to do it. Okay. But it still made me happy as his father that he obeyed and that he did it. So our good works can be truly good without being perfectly good. And that's what we say. That's what the uh, the entire point of the end of this chapter is, man, let's live out our good works, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Why? Because this is a good thing for you and for me to do. We said, uh, there's the examined initiative, then we said last, that our obedience to God is not begrudging submission. That God is not after begrudging submission. Ah, I guess I got to do what God says. No, that's not what he's after. God's after joyful obedience. God's after joyful obedience. He wants you and me to be obedient to Him. Let me illustrate it this way. There's a story in the Bible about Jesus' friend. His name was Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead for four days. Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, had made Jesus aware that Lazarus was sick. And they asked for Jesus to come Quickly, because they knew if Jesus arrived that Jesus could heal Lazarus of his disease. But Jesus did not come. Lazarus laid in bed and then Lazarus died. They buried Lazarus. And he stayed dead for four days. Jesus purposefully delayed His coming. And here's why. Because Jesus wanted to display His power. And Jesus does not just have power over disease. Jesus also has power over death. Jesus can just as easily raise someone from the dead as he can heal someone from leprosy. And so Jesus wants to display his power. So when he arrives in John chapter number 11, he asks Mary and Martha to take him to Lazarus' grave. They do. Jesus says, take away the stone. And Martha, at that moment, very incredulous, says to Jesus, Jesus, he's been dead four days. He stinketh, right? This is what every parent has said about their junior hire. He he stinketh. Be careful before you enter, right? Jesus says, I know. In Jesus, John chapter 11. Jesus ignores Martha's concern about the fact that Lazarus stinks, and Jesus says, "Lazarus, come forth!" Right? Lazarus, come forth! You never forget the day you were at church, and Pastor raised someone from the dead. Says our mummy right here. I just want to know how far he's going to go. This might get interesting. They move the stone, and Lazarus comes forth out of the grave. Interesting, Jesus qualified who it was that he was resurrecting. Jesus doesn't look at the tomb and say, come forth. Why? Because everyone dead would have came forth. That's how powerful Jesus is. Everybody would have just started hopping out of the tombs, right? You say, well, that's not Jesus. Yes, it does. That's the way it happens. The end of all time. All who are dead are brought to life and entered in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he qualifies. Lazarus, come forth. Here's the verse. And they saw a man bound, hand and foot, wrapped like a mummy. His head, his feet, he's all bound up in grave clothes. And then Jesus says, Loose him and let him go. Well, why? Because here is this man who has been given new life. But he is hindered by the grave clothes that still are on him. And in this same way, We have been given new life. You believed on Jesus? Lazarus, come forth. The old man has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new creature in Christ. You've been given a new life. You've been given new desires. You've been given new passions. You've been given a new chance. You've been given new opportunities. You're a new creature. But you still have grave clothes on. It's the same way here it just takes us much longer it takes us much longer to get out of our predicament than it did for Lazarus to get out of his this is a wonderful very simple illustration of what living the Christian life is like as we move toward glory land as we move toward heaven That even though we are alive from the dead, the grave clothes are still stuck on us. That even though we have new life, there is still a stench about us. So, we have new life, we have new nature, we have new loves, we have new desires. We have the Holy Spirit empowering us. We have the Holy Spirit restraining the flesh in us But we have the flesh clinging to us. Binding us up. Tripping us up. Hindering us. Man, I wish I had a football right now. Because I would just throw it at Ethan right now. Catch the ball. Ethan, and right in the face. I could nail him several times over. Why? Because he's tied up. So if the Holy Spirit does all of this for us, He Cleanses us, sanctifies us, preserves us for eternity, works in us as we live out the rest of our days in this life. How, watch me, how foolish is it then to turn to our own devices and our own ideas in order to get through the rest of our life? How foolish to attempt. To live out the Christian life in our own power or by our own agenda or according to our own rules or according to our own feelings. How foolish then is it? Except that it serves a way to bind us up and trip us up. You you remember our study? Paul has said this over and over. Galatians, oh foolish Galatians, you were running so well. Who is it that hindered you from running? Remember that? You were doing so well. Who came in and tripped you up with all this silly stuff? This is, this is not justification by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, preserved for heaven alone, secure, believe, a, a secure, a believer secure in his eternity, an inheritance that cannot fade away, that is incorruptible, that does not rot. It cannot be stolen. It does not rust. Why are you letting yourself get tripped up so much? So... The spirit-filled life is one of conquest. So it's a simple question for you: Does Ethan look like he is living victoriously? Yes or no? This is this is certainly not conquest. Can do nothing to protect or defend himself. Hey, buddy, let's go toward the steps. Been wanting to pay you back for a little while, right? No. This is not one of conquest. So, Jesus says, "Loose him and let him go." Yeah, 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 yeah. Loose him and let him go, right? And now he's now he's free. Keep that there. It's a lot better look for you. So, thank you, Ethan. You made a mess. We'll clean it up later. Just walk right out the middle, buddy. It's okay. Don't take this side door over here. <laughs> so everybody look at Ethan. So, how do we live the life of conquest? <laughs> here we go. Live. Live out the evidence of the Spirit. Okay, so go down to verse 22 with me. But the fruit of the Spirit is... It's a question for you. The word fruit is it singular or is it plural this is the computer age Oh, I don't know I'm clicking on it, it doesn't tell me ok no singular that's the answer Okay, there's no S there alright the fruit singular tense the fruit of the Spirit is not the fruits of the Spirit are All right the fruit of the Spirit is singular tense The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, what we would understand as patience, gentleness, what we would understand as kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, what we would understand as self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. If it's it's plural, if it's fruits of the Spirit are, if it's plural, then you can play this, this little silly church game where we say things like, well... I'm really good at this one, but I'm not so good at that one. I'm really good at joy, but I'm just really bad at self-control. And I got to work in that area. Well, well, This one is is where I'm really doing great. It's kind of plump. And this one over here looks like it's been sprayed with some insecticide, right? You can't do that. It's absurd to say, well, Growing in this area, but I'm not growing in that area. Can you you say that you're growing in patience? Or 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 rather, can you say that you're growing in love but not growing in patience? Isn't patience a part of love? Can you say you're growing in joy, but you're not growing in faith? Isn't isn't faith a part of being joy filled? Just living by faith. This is very very interesting. In this chapter, when Paul talks about the works of the flesh, it seems very random. Look at it again. It's verse number 19, verse 20, 21. It's it's scattered. It's adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath. He says, bouncing there, bouncing there. It's very chaotic, very random. Well, why? Why why does the list of the works of the flesh, why is it going every which way? Here's why, because when your feelings are your guide, you're always thrown this way and that way. When your feelings are your superpower, you actually have no superpowers then. You're always up and always down. Why? Because your feelings are always changing. Think of how, you cha- think of how your feelings have changed just in the last five years of your life at how your feelings have altered toward a person, toward an idea, toward a company, toward clothes, toward food choices. Your feelings are always in flux. They're always moving. That's why your feelings cannot be your guide. That's why they're not your superpower. Well, Why? Because you need something absolute. You need something that does not move. You need something that does not change. Well, what is that? Well, for you and for me as believers, that's God's Word. God's word is forever settled in heaven that not a jot, not a tittle, will in no wise, not a punctuation point, not the crossing of a T, it will in no wise pass from the law to all be fulfilled. And so we need something outside of ourselves. This is the law of sin always produces disorder and chaos Randomness, up and down, moving side to side, but the fruit of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit in our lives is one that is steady, it is consistent. But notice this the first three love, joy, peace. It's three groups of three. The first three are what come from God love, Tr- the truth. The understanding of the truth that I am accepted in this life just as I am by my Heavenly Father. Love. Joy. Discovering that that vitality flows from God into my life freely. Peace. The realization that God works through all the complexities of my experiences and my life and God works through all these complexities to bring good into my life. And all that God is all that God does is good. The second three areas of personal growth, long suffering. Right? The the ability or the freedom to stay with something or someone without rushing for a result. Ah. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Give me, give me, give me. Get to it, get to it, get to it, right? Not that kind of spirit. It's long suffering, there's gentleness, the ability to go through life in a non stressful way. You ever met people, they're always stressed out, always freaking out. This is just how I am, ah! right? I don't, I don't like people who are just ah! all the time, right? The, the ability to go through life gently. Gently.